0: Welcome to the sermon ministry of River Community Church, a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana. Our purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org. We will continue uh, now with the scripture reading, which if you would stand, please. We will be in John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. I'll give you just a moment to, to find that while I find it myself. John 21, 18 and 19. Again, this one you'll find right before John 22. Another one. Uh, here we are. John 21, 18 and 19. Thus says the word of God. truly. Truly. Of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. All right. Well, welcome again. So today is the conclusion of our series on the Apostle Peter where we have been following uh, through the Gospels the story of Peter the Disciple to learn what it means to respond to those words that Jesus gives to all of us, follow me. And we have gone through uh, the series just kind of sitting on the shoulder of Peter and seeing the, the, the various parts that uh, Jesus uh, brings into our lives to form us to him. Uh, it begins by, by his call it begins also by the conviction of sin that he brings upon us by revealing to us his holiness and our need for him. It involves our confession, which is knowing him, putting our faith in him, and recognizing that even that faith is a gift from God. It is a call to pick up our cross and follow him. It is a, it is a process of self-denial. That we take upon us. It calls us to live by the cross, as we saw in John 13 of the uh, foot washing. That Jesus calls his disciples to know themselves by the cross, to live close to the cross for their forgiveness of sins, for their identity. We also see that Jesus uh, shows us what it means to, to persevere as he takes Peter through that dark night of his denials. We also see that the gospel provides the disciple restoration and purpose. As we saw in John 21, the uh, restoring of of Peter from those denials by asking him, do you love me? And And Peter responding, yes, and getting the call to feed my sheep. Well, this is the last couple verses that we have of the story of Peter's discipleship. Of course, if you want to read more about what happens to Peter, uh, the book of Acts will take you into that. Uh, but we've kind of focused this series on the discipleship of Peter, which I believe is, is very much universal to all um, all followers of Jesus. When he becomes the apostle Peter uh, in Acts, those stories have a little bit more of a specificness to who Peter is and what Peter's job was. So we're calling this the the, the, the culmination of Peter's clinic for us on discipleship. And it ends with these two verses that tell us that Peter is going to die. Jesus leaves Peter with these words, that you are going to die. And as I was thinking about these verses, uh, that country music song by uh, Garth Brooks, The Dance, do you guys know The the Dance, anybody? It's it's like 30 years old, so it, it ought to be out there, even if you don't like country music, but... Uh, it's probably Garth Brooks' biggest hit, at least it was when I was listening to Garth Brooks regularly. Uh, and the, the, the song is this uh, story of, of, this, of this man who is remembering somebody that he loved, who he had a, 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 a wonderful relationship with. And uh, it, it fell apart. And uh, he recognizes this dilemma of, if I knew how it was going to end, would I have put myself through that relationship? Would I have experienced it? And so the, the refrain of the song is, I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. Is the idea of the, of the song, that if we avoid pain, if we avoid suffering, if we keep ourselves safe and comfortable, you know, we, we don't have a whole lot of tears, but we don't get the dance. And uh, I think that that song has been very popular. I think it's been uh, liked by so many people because it's, it's a resonating uh, issue. Uh, we've all gone through things where we've been hurt at the end of it, uh, where our, our hearts have been broken, whether it be relationships, uh, whether it be the end of a job, whether it be uh, moving, things change. And, and you wonder, my goodness, why, why did I put myself through that? You know? We can all relate to something like this. I could have missed the pain. But if I had, I would have had to miss the dance we have to recognize when Jesus calls us, follow me, he is calling us to a path of pain and suffering and death. Those are wrapped up in the true gospel call. So in a sense, this passage is Uh, like the scriptures version of the dance. Jesus is basically saying to Peter if you want to have the dance be ready because there's going to be pain. Peter has just been restored. Just before these words we had that, that exchange. Do you love me? Yes Lord you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And then Jesus comes to Peter at that point to give him this solemn last word, this word about his death, his finish line. And it's a pretty scary word to have pronounced. We'll talk about what is involved in it in a moment. I remember also a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you've been really struggling to figure out what to do with all of your time uh, at, at, at your house, but my family and I picked up uh, this little cube of table topics, just little questions that you can ask your family and start a conversation on. And my kids love it. One of the questions that uh, was asked from these cards was, uh, if you had to choose, would you rather know how you died or when you died? And everybody in the family said they'd rather know when. I think there's just a terrifying thought of the how. Uh, so we all picked when. Because, you know, then you could say, okay, well, then, then I'm, I'm going to do everything I, I need to get done before then. The how seems to be terrifying. There's a lot of ways to die. Maybe I should spend 20 minutes on different ways that you can die. That'll cheer you up. No, we're all scared of the how. But Jesus here, speaking to Peter, focuses on the how. He doesn't give the when. He just gives the how. You will die, and he gives a certain way that's going to happen. Why does Jesus give the how? As we're talking about this idea of the dance, why does Jesus give the how you're going to die? And it's in that that I think we see a a perfect conclusion to this series because Jesus' last words to Peter serve three purposes in the disciples' life which are relevant to all of us and leave us just where we need to be at the end of this series. Jesus' last words, we're going to look at them, are going to give three purposes in the disciples' life that, that are given to us in knowing how Peter was going to die. The first is that these words assure his disciple that he will persevere to the end. That's the first thing that these words give to Peter. They assure his disciple that he will persevere to the end. Let's look at verse 18 again a little more closely. Peter said, Jesus says to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. It seems that Jesus is, is taking a, a cultural proverb, not a proverb from the book of Proverbs, but just a saying that was uh, maybe out there, or rabbinic or something like that, about kind of the, the situation of life. You start... Young, you've got energy, you've got freedom, you can do the things you want to do. Your your will determines what you want to do. But as you get older, you get restricted, you get slowed down, you get more dependent. Uh, my uh, middle child Elliot uh, has coined a proverb in our own house. It's kind of similar to this. Uh, he got it when he was playing with his great grandma, who was just about to turn ninety. This is all on his own. He came and said, You know, the older you get, the slower you get. And Mimi Jodine is slow. (laughs) So uh, that's kind of the idea of this proverb. Life is going to slow you down. As you get older, your freedom is just going to disappear. The things you want to do uh, are limited. But But Jesus is taking this saying, this this proverb, and he is is not using it for that purpose. He is using it to make a prophecy of what is going to happen to Peter. What Jesus is saying here to Peter is, you will have, uh, at the end of your life, you will have your freedom taken from you. You will be compelled by people who take control of your body and you will be put to death in a gruesome way. Now, tradition tells us uh, that Peter died under uh, the reign of Emperor Nero in Rome. It's tradition that goes back as, as early as, as we can possibly get it, and uh, it's not any, there's nothing out there that contradicts it. So I think it's a, a pretty solid understanding that Some point in the year 60 to 65 of the first century, the Emperor Nero put Peter to death. That was an awful time of persecution uh, for the church in Rome, where Peter was. And so when we recognize this, we we see that those words, stretch out your hands, appear to be an allusion to how Peter was going to die stretching out your hands with something done to crucify someone. And so many commentators believe that this is an illusion that, Peter, you are going to die by crucifixion. So Jesus leaves that with Peter. Last words. Not, not quite a Hallmark card uh, ending, but those are the words that he gives. But we need to recognize These words are actually a source of assurance. Because for Peter, being one who lays down his life in the name of Jesus was his desire. That's what he wanted to be able to say with his life, that I will lay down my life for you. In fact, in John 13, verse 38, we are told, or I should say verse 37, we are told uh, Peter saying to him on the night of his arrest... Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. You you see, Peter, this is is the night where Peter's just about to deny Jesus, but his heart was right, right? He, He wanted to follow Jesus to the point of death. He wanted the honor of laying his life down for Jesus. And Peter's... Right there. We we should follow Peter in that desire. Peter's desire is formed straight from Jesus' own teaching. In Matthew 16 24, Jesus said to Peter and all disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Peter heard those words, and in John 13, he, he, he says, I'm ready. But he failed. Peter failed. I mean, he got sifted like wheat. He denied Jesus three times. He denied Jesus to a servant girl. Someone who presented no fear factor in, in that time and place. But he failed. He failed. And he failed because these words were said. John 13, 38. Jesus answered, after Peter has just said, I I will uh, lay my life down for you. Jesus answered Peter, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not cry till you have denied me three times. Truly, truly. That is a, uh, a, a, a familiar, frequent phrase that Jesus uses in all of the Gospels, but, but John records it many times in the Gospel of John. It's, it's amen, amen. Jesus starts his statement, amen, amen, which is to say, what I am about to say, chisel it in stone. It is true, it is irrevocable, it is certain, because I have said it. It is one of the, the, the manners that Jesus used to speak to show that he spoke God's word. He spoke with that authority. And Jesus says to Peter, truly, truly, you are not going to lay down your life for me. And so I think we need to think about this from Peter's perspective. Jesus has restored me. But will I fail again? And There's something in me I, I, I don't know exactly how it would have happened, but there is something in me that even when I thought I could do it all, it fell apart. How do I know that this fatal flaw in me won't come out and I will, I will deny my Lord again? Peter needs to know, just like every disciple, will I finish? Will I persevere? How can I know? Here in verse 18 is another truly, truly. Amen, amen. It is a solemn promise by Jesus that you will die faithful to me your steadfastness will go to the dying breath. And so, as as grim as being told you're going to die and you're going to die in a a terrifying way, the fact that Jesus says to Peter, truly, truly, this will happen, is inside of it an encouragement that you will persevere to the end. John one forty two the text that we used for the very first sermon in this series, which we called the end from the beginning, Jesus said to, to Simon, this brash fisherman, you will be called rock. But we have watched Peter week after week after week. There is nothing flinty. There is nothing rocky. There is nothing solid about Peter, he's he's constantly stumbling. He is more of a stumbling stone than a, than a, a foundation rock. He has been called rock for his confession, but then he's also been called Simon again for his denial. But Jesus says just as certainly, you will be called rock. And here Jesus is answering that he will be the rock. Because he is saying, even in death, you will be steadfast. Will we finish well? Will we finish well? Will we persevere? If we know ourselves at all, we know that we have everything it takes to lose the faith at almost any time. We have the flaws of Peter and others. Will we finish well? That's what Jesus is giving to Peter about the gospel when he gives him this news about the way it will end. He will end in in crucifixion, but he will end in faithfulness. And in that story, we are being told something that is true for every disciple. The one Jesus calls, he brings to the finish line. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the word of God says, amen, amen to you, you will persevere. Did you say amen back to that? Amen. Hebrews 12.1 says it another way. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, He founds our faith. He he is the gospel who made our faith. And we are told that he is the perfecter of our faith. It is the same object. The one who founds, who begins, will also perfect and finish. His honor, his credibility, his glory is on the line just as much for seeing every one of his sheep begin in faith and to see each and every one of his sheep finish in faith. That is the good news. Jesus gives it to us in a a strange, arresting way here in John 21, but this is what's being communicated. And it is Jesus. It is not not your resilience. It is not your um, depth in theological knowledge. It is not the number of hours you've spent in church that is the key to your perseverance. The key to your perseverance is Jesus says to all his sheep, Amen, Amen, no one can snatch you out of my hand. And that is what Peter hears when he is told you will die in faithfulness. But Jesus' last words to Peter serve another purpose in in Peter's life and in ours. Second, we see that these words focus his disciple on the privilege and responsibility of witnessing to Jesus. We see at the beginning of verse 19 that these words that I have been preaching to you have been interpreted for us. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. Glorify God. Peter, this is the way that you are going to glorify God. And what is is meant by the words glorify God? It, It means that Peter, you will witness to Jesus in death. You will be a witness to Jesus in death. In fact, so typical was it of the early church to witness to Jesus by dying that the word in Greek, witness, became synonymous for dying for your faith. Do you know what that word is? The Greek word for witness is martyr. And the first connotation that we have with the word martyr is death. But you see, the disciple witnesses to Jesus in death, and that is why death has become a witness, a martyr. Now, before we rush forward, I think it is always an amazing testament that needs to be underscored that the eyewitnesses of Jesus who saw him die and rise again vouched that testimony again and again by their deaths. They have been crucified. They have been beheaded They have been speared. The stories of the first Christians of the the fate of the apostles is that they all gave their blood to say, Yes, Jesus is risen. He is Lord. Now, eyewitnesses can be wrong. But when you have a group of men who all die at different places at different times in the most grisly way, We ought to pay attention to what they think they saw because not a single one of them thought the option was, it's just make-believe. They believed what they saw and they vouched what they saw with their blood. That is one of of the uh, greatest evidences of the resurrection, and I think it is something that is always worth communicating to an unbeliever. But this this idea of of witness is for us, too. I've officiated enough funerals to recognize that a funeral boils the life down to 30 minutes to an hour. Isn't that kind of pathetic? That's about all your friends are going to give you. (laughs) They're going to give you about 30 minutes to an hour. And so in that 30 minutes to an hour, you, you boil down. What is that life? I've been called uh, from funeral homes to, to officiate a funeral. So if people that I don't even know, and I have to, to get their life story from their kids or their friends, and you get you know pages filled up with their favorite recipes and their favorite hobbies. And it's always a heartbreaking thing that I can listen to 15, 20 minutes of anecdotes and then I have to say, well, can you tell me something about their faith? And it's usually pretty trickly stuff. Oh, well, they, you know, they were members of a church or they, uh, I heard my mom pray the same prayer before dinner every night or something like that. Here's what it means to be a witness to Jesus at your funeral. It means that your life cannot be told without talking about Jesus. So my question, look at your life right now. It's the minister's job to boil down your life and explain it so that people know you. Can your life be explained without Jesus? Or is it impossible not to mention Jesus when we mention you? You you see, Peter's life, the life of a disciple, a, a stereotypical disciple, speaks loudly to the world. His entire life communicates, Jesus is my choice, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior. And when he dies, that gushes out. We are to witness that the gospel is worth giving our life to. It is worth suffering for. It is worth dying for. That is why it is not bad news that Peter is told, you're going to die by crucifixion. Because that is telling Peter, you're going to die suffering for my name. Isn't it amazing that because of the gospel, the worst moment ahead of us in our lives, which is our death, in the gospel can be a place that God is glorified. The worst moment in our life can, through the gospel, be a moment of God's glory. And I'm not just talking about our entrance into heaven, which is wonderful, but I am talking about our witness to him in our death. Jesus is saying that, you can bring god an uh, an infinite eternal gift a glory to him in how you die now witness is not just about death martyr only became that meaning it's not that 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 its meaning is broader than that life is to be a witness in fact jesus says at the beginning of the god, of the book of acts To the the disciples, before he sends them out into the world, you will be my witnesses, my martyrs. And he wasn't speaking of them dying. He was speaking of them going out and telling the good news to the world. It reminds me of preaching wisdom that that, uh, I had pounded into me at seminary. And it's this. Preach every sermon as if it is your last. Preach every sermon as if it is your last. I.e., make it about the gospel. I think that's good advice for everything. Whatever your sermon is, whatever is the thing that you do, live with it as, am I happy with this day being my last? Does it contain in it the testimony of witness to Jesus? What is our life witnessing to? As we say it river over and over again, we help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. As a disciple, are you living to make much of Christ. One last thing we can see in these last words for purpose in the disciple's life. They direct his disciple to give his life entirely to knowing Jesus. They direct his disciple to give his life entirely to knowing Jesus. So after giving this news about his future and his death. Jesus leaves it with these words, follow me. Follow me. I don't think there's a mistake here, obviously, that Jesus talks about death of Peter and a serious death at that, and then immediately joins to that this common command, follow me. Something is said here in these two commands being brought together and being brought in sequence, and that is this. The true call requires you to reckon yourself dead. The true call has within it the call to death for yourself. Listen again to Jesus' words in Matthew 16, 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Those are words that I confess I don't think are wrestled with enough by the average churchgoer, average Christian. There is no separation between the call to have the life of Jesus with the call to say death to self. And I think one of the reasons that many show such little gospel life in them is that they have never responded to the gospel's call to die. They are trying to have Jesus with their life. But the call of the gospel is Jesus is your life. And because of that, I think many are missing the dance. They are missing the dance. And so when the suffering and the pain And the hardship comes. It's over. They avoid the pain. But they miss the dance. I want to tell you. Don't miss the dance. The dance is amazing. It's costly. It's painful. It will tear your life upside down and inside out. But it is sweet. You see, Jesus' call to follow me is the call to die to self, His way is the way of the cross. This call to death is not just a call to clear commitment. It is much more. It is a call to receive the gift. You see, Jesus shares this knowledge with Peter because it is in the contrast of of death, even the worst death in this world, that we grasp the gospel's great worth and preciousness. No matter what happens in your life or to your life, living for Jesus is worth it. Why? Because the path of following him ends with him. You respond to this call, follow me, because in that path you get Jesus, Jesus is at the end of the hard road. And I promise you, the face that you will see when that hard road is over will give you such inexpressible joy. It will give you the dance that never ends. That you will weep that you did not pursue it harder you will regret that you divided your life and limited the dance the path of following him ends with him it ends with jesus some of my most cherished words from scripture are philippians chapter 3 verse 8 and uh, down to 11 indeed i count everything as loss the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means, meaning however I suffer, however I die, whatever it takes to get me from this ball to heaven, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Do those words speak to you? That is the dance. Do you hear the music that is calling you to the dance? I mean, I understand. I read Paul's words, and I'm like, oh, I aspire to saying some of these things but i keep pursuing that i might say i count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for his sake i have suffered the loss of all things because at the end of that paul tells us you lose everything but you get everything because that's what jesus is. And that's what the disciple must know and must pursue. These words direct his disciple to give his life entirely to knowing Jesus. So the last words to Peter, Jesus' disciple, are given to us for, for these three purposes, just to recap. And they assure his disciple that he will persevere to the end. Amen. They focus his disciple on the privilege and responsibility of witnessing to Jesus. Amen. And they direct his disciple to give his life entirely to knowing Jesus. Amen. Follow me. The last words there, me. Everything that Jesus says to Peter, he says. Because he is already gone where Peter is to go. He has already done all things. His call to die upon us only comes because he has already died for us. Peter, in his first letter towards the end of his life, within just a few years of this prophecy being fulfilled, says in chapter 2, verse 24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Beloved, have the words follow me been heard Have you responded to them? Have you come to Jesus aware of the guilt of your sins, of your separation from God because of your unrighteousness, and said, I need your cross, I need your blood to wash me clean because I am a sinner in myself? Have you cried out, clothe me in your righteousness, that, That God would see me as he sees you, his beloved child. This is the gospel. And it is offered and secured to each and every one who puts their faith in the promise that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you responded to the words of the Savior? Follow me. Beloved, follow him. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon from River Community Church. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana, whose purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org.